Whoa, 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 whoa. What's up, everybody? My name is Kyle Pagan. Welcome back to another Crossing Broadcast. Let's bring on Kevin Kincaid. No time to fool around. One person thinks it's the non-throwing shoulder, Jeff McLean. The other guy thinks John John Clark thinks it is the throwing shoulder sprained. We have confirmed that it is the throwing shoulder of Jalen Hurts that was sprained. Good, because I, I uh, went upstairs in the middle of cooking dinner last night to in a panic to correct the story because I thought I had the wrong shoulder. I was reading all these comments on Facebook, the people saying, no, it's the other shoulder, it's the other shoulder, it's the other shoulder, and then turned out that the Facebook commenters were full of shit. Who would have thought the Facebook commenters were full uh, of shit? Uh, surprise, right? Yeah. Shocker. How do I sound, by the way? Do I sound like shit? Because I'm battling like the world's oh, worst. Dude, I think we're both. I think we're both. I think everyone's just sick right now. I think yeah. I'm sick. You're sick. The whole yeah. crossing broad is sick. Yeah. Uh, Eagles fans, Super Bowl hopes are sick right now. It all yeah. sucks. Um, yeah. Have you thawed out from your from your trip to Chicago? What was, what was going on out there? How was it? Chicago is cool. Chicago is a great city. I just don't understand the people who live there. You get 100 days of summer, and sometimes you don't even get that. Um, big city, uh, the lake effect is real. Am I already breaking up or are you breaking up? What the fuck is going on? No, I can see you fine. Am I frozen okay. here? No, no, no. You're good. You're good. I just, the internet's been fucked up, but everything. Yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah. Chicago. I don't get it. I don't get it. The sports teams stink. It's a miserable and gray all the time. Uh, the, uh, the women, they grow up to look like Chris Farley and drag. Uh, no, it's just don't, don't, <laughs> <laughs> let's not insult all the all the women of the uh of the midwest here what are you charles barkley talking about the big ass women of uh san antonio, san antonio or whatever that yeah. was yeah he had to apologize didn't he apologize for that or somebody wanted to cancel him i can't remember that was probably the first thing that i remember that chuck was almost canceled for and then i think it's kind of just become like hey chuck's just uncancelable he's he in that little section yeah he yeah. was like great he was like uh he, what, what do you say? He's like grandfathered in, you know, mm-hmm. he was doing those jokes before, like long before cancel culture was ever a thing. So by, by definition, yes, he is. By proxy. Yeah. By proxy. Yeah. yeah. Are you, uh, are you ready for a, a, a Gardner Minshew Jalen Hurts QB controversy for the next six months? <laughs> I guess I'm going to have to be right. Yeah. Uh, when do we blow our you, brains out? Do we blow you, it around you, before <laughs> the draft or after the draft? When, when Howie selects a Big Twelve wide receiver, were you doom? Scro- were you doom scrolling yesterday when you when you saw the line start to um, start to move for the for the Cowboys Eagles game? Were you just like refresh constantly refreshing Twitter, waiting waiting for like the uh, the Schefter or the the Rappaport or something like Jalen Hurts is done for the year? So I know the Big J thing to do is not to uh, answer a question with a question, but I'm going to answer a question with a question. <laughs> Am I a bad human being for getting the, uh, the Cowboys at minus three and a half and putting a bet on them once I no, knew that no, the line no. was just moving? No, as an uh, investor emeritus, uh, Mike would say, you, you, you bet. How does he describe it? You don't want to have it. You want to have a, a good outcome no matter what, right? So either mm-hmm. your team wins or you make money. I have nothing wrong with with that at all. I'm not. I am not a believer in the idea that you don't bet against your team. I think some people that. listening to this will have a will have a problem with that that I ga- that I got in. But we had yeah. we had information that like Hertz was was done before a lot of people were done. And I was think. And here's here's the thing. Is it is it really fair that the, the NFL is in bed with these gambling companies? 
obviously something Vegas knows because the line <laughs> was at was at plus one around like nine in the morning. Then it goes up to two and a half. Then it goes up to three. Obviously, somebody at the major sports books got the news before any of us got the news. Yeah. Before probably some yeah. people in the organization got the news. So yeah. I'm gonna, I'm thinking to myself like, how fair is that really? That you know everybody knows the the prognosis that runs like FanDuel and DraftKings knows the prognosis of Jalen Hurts' shoulder before the reporters, before the fans, before probably even some in the organization knows. I don't know. Yeah, well, I think it, it's. I have two thoughts here on this. Number one, we're going to have to work our our connections. As you know, we are affiliated with many of the big sports books around here. We got to get one of these guys to start leaking information to us. Like we have to turn mm-hmm. one of them into a source. Hey, help us out. Help me help you. You know, you got to sniff on the uh, sprained shoulder. Throw me a bone, man. I need the scoop. You know, I got to beat Shefty. I got to beat Rap Sheet. I got to beat Mike Garofalo, local guy Mike Garofalo. The other thing I was going to say, and actually Bob pointed this out, so I'll give him credit for it. Jalen Hurts worth a full touchdown, worth in in uh, the 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 spread, you know, worth worth he was worth six points. Is that how much the line moved? I think it moved six points, right? It got all the way up to plus six on the Eagles' half. Now, um, if that doesn't say MVP, I don't know what does. Despite what that dork with the calculator and his DYAR. Um, you know, rating says, I, I, I believe that shows respect. If, if the line's going to move that much based on him being out, possibly, then to me, he's the MVP. Yeah. Then what is Patrick Mahomes worth? 10 points? Like, well, he's got a 1500 DR rating. So I love, by the way, how the calculator, calculator dorks create like their own fucking thing that only they understand. Mm-hmm. And they use it as like their main ammunition and they're in their MVP conversation, by the way, like my eyes tell me this, right. And all of these like good stats, like baseline stats, tell me this, mm-hmm. right. And this guy's like, well, I created a formula and my formula says this. So therefore I, you can just make up any shit. You, I can just make up my own formula and say, well, my formula says this. Well, baseball is the worst with that, but any, any formula that has Jared Goff as the second best quarterback yeah. in the NFL, like Jared Goff's had a good season. Don't get me wrong. The, the Detroit <laughs> yeah. Lions have come on, but like any, 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 yeah. any model that gives you Jared Goff as the second best quarterback in the uh, NFL. Yeah. I think that's probably a flawed, a flawed system. If you really ask me. Yeah. It's not um, the fle- right. What do the people say? It's not, this is not the flex you think it is. Right. Because your DIR rating had like Goff and Gino, I think, was in the top five. too. I love Gino Smith, a great mountaineer. But say that like, uh, you know, you, your argument for Mahomes being the MVP is based off of a deep analytical formula that also has Jared Goff and Gino Smith in the top five. You know, somebody please stuff these dorks in a locker and, just, <laughs> you know. One game in the locker and then let him out. That is, but Come hey, on. this is where we extend the olive branch to Seth Joyner and see if he comes on because he, you guys could actually see eye to eye on this on this stuff where it's like he wants he wants the defense yeah. to twelve and one, thirteen and one now defense to be ten percent better. But you yeah. probably both want to stop uh, to stick these doors with a calculator in the uh, in a locker. And our yeah. our favorite stat FPI still has the Cowboys at the number one um, the number uh, one in the football power index to yeah, make the Super Bowl good. and win the that's Super Bowl. So. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny you mentioned Seth there because like, you know, our, our take, I think both of our takes, both of our take, our combined take on analytics has been like, hey, it's good to a certain extent. It helps inform things and it helps you go a little bit below the surface. Um, but if you go too far in that direction, it's stupid. And then in the case of the eye test, if you're Seth Joyner and you go too far in that direction, and you don't pay attention and you're calling for more interceptions 
when the team already leads the league in interceptions. And yes, you anybody who goes, it's like politics, man. Anybody who goes too far off either side of the spectrum is just batshit mm-hmm. fucking crazy. It's like the lunatic fringes here. On one side, you got Aaron Schatz, and then you got Seth Joyner. Imagine putting those two on a panel together. It'd be like the, uh, you know, it'd be like Eskin and Missinelli reunited or something like that, you know? So, <laughs> so how do you feel? How do you feel about, so I got to say something that I'm not going to hold myself accountable to this, but I, I will promise you that it's at the top of my mind. Every game in the Jalen Hurts era that I have attended, the first one was the Gardner Minshew start at the Jets game. Yeah. Second one was his god-awful performance in the playoff game against the Bucks last year. Mm-hmm. And then the third one is him getting injured in the third quarter, and now he's out, and we don't know mm-hmm. if it's a two-week injury or a three-week injury. Now, I'm not saying that I'm never going to go to a game again as long as Jalen Hurts is, is the quarterback, <laughs> but I want you to know it's in the frontal lobe right now, and I'm thinking about it every time I step foot and I scan that ticket, okay? You superstitious? Um, yeah, I mean, it could be something to it. There is something to it. It just doesn't make any sense why every time I go in there, Jalen Hurts just doesn't have a good game or he doesn't play at all. Um, how do you feel about Gardner? Now, obviously, the offense is going to change. Um, I believe that the Eagles are going to play their stars. I don't think they activate Dallas Goddard without doing that. Um, I know there was some chatter on there, but hey, might as well sit everybody. You know, you got the uh, Saints, you got the Giants in the last two weeks. I don't like messing around with football gods and football karma and stuff, but I feel like if you do rest your starters when you need that one win, um, you know, there's not going to look look fondly on that. I also kind of believe in Gardner Minshew. I mean, the dude is the prototypical game manager. He can do everything from throwing to, to putting on the ground if he has to, if the play breaks down. Now, are there going to be as much RPOs? Probably not. It's probably going to be, what, more 11 personnel or 12 personnel you think they're going to run with uh, with Gardner in there? Probably, um, <clears throat> well, I would just say generically, too. I mean, like, Gardner Minshew is no joke. You know, I think, like, people look at, like, the goofy shit, like the ninja sword and the, you know, the mustache and the, uh, you know, the bomber jacket or whatever he <clears throat> showed up wearing in, in New York last year, and they just, like, you know, it kind of distracts you. Like, the, the eccentricity is kind of distracting from the fact that, like, the guy's pretty damn good. You know, yeah. like you feel pretty comfortable with him back there. Like I've, I maybe same level as Nick Foles in 2017, maybe a little bit of Jeff Garcia in, you know, in 2006. But uh, yeah, they do run. You know, I went back and I looked at the box scores for those games. He also played against Dallas last year in the throwaway meaningless game where they sat mm-hmm. hurts at the end of the year. And they ran the ball a lot. Miles Sanders got 24 carries in one game. Then Kenny Gainwell and Jason Huntley actually combined for like 25 carries in the second game. But in both games, Minshew threw a couple touchdowns. He threw only one interception. Um, he is a gunslinger, man. Remember, he comes from that Mike Leach, like, air raid offense. Mike Leach, by the way, who just passed away. Mm-hmm. Minshew, emotional about it, you know, learned a lot from the guy. I mean, he, we, he could be channeling the spirit of Mike Leach into an air raid monstrosity in, a, in yeah. an amazing win in, in Dallas. Like, the dude's motivated as hell, you know, and he can, he can sling it, you know. But I think in that um, – I think Dallas Goddard had his best game of the year last year in the Jets game when Minshew was just targeting him over and over and over again. I think he had six for like one, one, 120 or 105 or something like that and two touchdowns. So you have Goddard's healthy man and Sanders is, um, you know, exiled from the, from the, or, or taken back from the broom closet or wherever they, they relegated him to the other day. Then uh, I, I don't know how, how much you saw this on the broadcast. I saw some readers tweeted out when he ran out of bounds in like the fourth quarter and they were trying to bleed clock. Yeah. He, Miles Sanders, got his ass chewed out by Nick Sirianni. 
so much that like he just oh, okay. walked to the other side of the bench because he knew he, he he fucked up when he ran. Okay, out of so wait, so you saw that there because Kemsky tweeted that. I didn't yeah. know what time it was in the game. I thought okay, so my original thought was that he had a hole and he bounced yeah. it outside, and that yeah he bounced outside, but he he had enough he had enough grass to just kind of like fall. Or or just lay his shoulder into somebody, but he okay. ran out of bounds and he ran right to the sideline. And Nick Sirianni chewed his ass out, followed him like five yards down. It was it's oh, kind of okay. cool. It's kind of cool seeing that stuff behind the scenes. I'm still a yeah. you got to watch the game at home. I mean, the game was cool and everything. Don't get me wrong, but like yeah. it was freezing. Yeah. So what freezing. was the? I mean, what what was what was Soldier Field like? Was it cool? Well, it's an old stadium. It's one of the oldest in the league. Uh, very small, so there's not really a bad seat in the whole house. Mm. Uh, half of it's like taken up by suites. Like imagine one side is just all plastic and glass, and that's basically Soldier Field. Mm. Um, toes went numb. I don't know if you saw a picture I tweeted out. Beer was freezing. Already getting chirped for for people not set to, for people telling me to drink my beer faster. I'm sorry. All right, it was fucking cold out. All right, there. Yeah. You know how people are like beers can't be too cold. Wrong. In Soldier Field in the middle of the winter in Chicago, beers can absolutely be too cold. All right. Yeah. At some point, it's just like, how much more times do I want my lips to, to freeze off or my lips to stick to the plastic cup? Um, Soldier Field, got to figure out the bathrooms, yeah. the men's room. I mean, we were at one point three sections down. The line was three sections long trying to get into the men's room. There were dudes just hanging out in the men's room, trying to keep warm. That's a violation. You can't be doing that. Go find somewhere else to keep warm. That is why. Go home. Get an Uber. Go home. Like, you yeah. can't be hanging out in the men's room. Yeah, that's that's a little weird. I'm not sure how I feel about that. I uh, The coldest place I've ever been was Minneapolis in January. Um, and I was like, I feel like I'm going to die here. This is the coldest place I've ever been in my entire life. This is like what it's, what it's like in Canada every year. This mm-hmm. time. I don't know how people subject it to. I'm trying to talk my wife into moving to Florida, you know, because the older I get, the bigger, the more of a pussy I become. And like, oh, I'm, a, I'm 100% a pussy. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I, like- <laughs> I dropped a nice chunk of change on, on, on Dick's Sporting Goods. And thank God I talked to Craig before because he's a hiker. He's an outdoorsman. He understands this stuff, like what you need to do to keep warm. I mean, Kev, I haven't had a pair of boots in 10 years. I haven't had. Uh, a proper hat, proper gloves, like proper coats in like 10 years because like it gets yeah. down to zero sometimes here, but it's not like yeah. it's not like 15 degrees and the wind chill is is, is five and we're just chilling and uh, and you're and you're chilling. And the good thing about my section was I was around a lot of uh, young people, so no one yeah. really wanted to sit down. So mm-hmm. I was lucky with that. If I had to sit down the whole time, I mean, there was there was frost on the back of the seats. <laughs> like that's how cold it was. And of course, we're in the shade and everything, but like, holy shit. Like it's it's another it's another beast. And once again, I do not understand yeah. the hundred days of of winter uh, of summer in Chicago cannot be worth going through those winters. I mean, it's a different kind of cold. Yeah. I have a take on uh seasons and temperature. Do you want to hear my take on on that? Yes. So my my thought is that if you grow up in one area and you stay in that area, and like you live in that area your entire life, you're not bothered by mm. those things because you don't know any better. Right. So like if you lived in Pennsylvania your entire life and you don't really know what it's like to have a winter in Texas, then you don't have any frame of reference. Right. So when I moved to Georgia after college, I was living in Augusta and it was like 70 degrees and we were playing shirts and skins outside in February. I was like, I was fucking great. Mm -hmm. I've never experienced this before in my entire life. Normally, I like if it was February in Pennsylvania and I was like in high school, I'd be playing Nintendo 64 and would have not have gone outside for like three weeks straight. You know what I'm saying? But now but then when I moved back to Pennsylvania, 
after living in Georgia for a while, I'm like, man, I kind of miss that shit. You know, this sucks. Yeah. You know, I'm, a, I'm a pussy now, you know? So, and I'm always sick, you know, my kids are always sick. So and maybe I can run, maybe I can secretly run crossing broad from like Tampa and just mm. not, tell, not tell anybody that I moved, you know, be like, yeah, it was a great Sixers game the other night. I watched it from the cabana bar on like NBA TV or something. You know? That's true. I'll, I'll be going down to uh, Tampa for a bachelor party in March, and I'm very excited to, to sit out in the uh, left field at, uh, at Clearwater Stadium yeah. and uh, yeah. just drink beers and watch and watch uh, the Phillies. By the, um, by the, I, by the way, <clears throat> real quick on the Minshew front, you realize that no matter what happens Saturday, like we're good, like we got an excuse for 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 the result. You know, it's like if if the Eagles win, then ca- the Cowboys are huge friggin' frauds. Yeah. And if they lose, then we can just pull the same shit that they pulled when Cooper Rush came up here and just said, well, you know, Jalen Hurts didn't play. You know? That's true. So we I got, just we feel got bad for everybody that, uh, that converted to atheism so they didn't have to go to Mass on on December 24th and miss the game. <laughs> Did it all for nothing. <laughs> that's, yeah. a, that's a shitty part. I know. I should go to, I should, I should go to like Islam or something. Well, I'm already a uh, – I'm not religious. You're already Islamic? Islamic? <laughs> Uh, Alhamdulillah, I'm going to smash your boy, as uh, Khabib, Khabib once said before he submitted McGregor. But no, I mean, we should try to, you know, if we weren't both sick and like we were, uh, you know, really thinking about it, we should have booked a couple priests for Thursday's show. You know, what do you think mass is going to be like on Saturday night? We should have booked a priest, a rabbi and an imam, you know, to uh, tell us, tell us about, uh, you know, I don't know if Islam. Sounds uh, like the start of a joke. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're walking to a bar. Yeah, yeah, a priest, a rabbi, and an imam walk on a crossing broadcast. Um, Everybody immediately logs off. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) I liked your I liked your one stat, and 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 how much do you think we can blame on the play calling of Shane Steichen and I guess Nick Sirianni because he's a hand in it as well? That the fact that there was eleven Miles Sanders runs and there was twelve plays of throws of twenty or more yards. From yeah. Jalen Hurts. Now, here's yeah. my theory: is that it's a shitty Chicago Bears defense. They're trying to get Jalen ready for January, February, when you know they're in the playoffs and it's cold in Philadelphia and whatnot. So I feel like this was kind of like a target practice kind of game. Hey, let's see, let's see Jalen, you know, get out there and uh, and chuck the ball a little bit. Um, you do have to kind of like it because it did work in the fourth quarter. That that bomb to AJ Brown was essentially what won them the game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, now you look back on it in hindsight, it's 2020. Jalen Hurts getting his shoulder shoved into the ground probably wasn't the best move when he's running 17 times a game. What do you think yeah. about all that? I kept thinking about that. I'm like, man, they love this go go ball. You know, <laughs> Hurts just loves to, and I would probably love doing it too. If I had a guy like AJ Brown, even Devontae Smith, I would chuck deep routes all, all day long, man. That's got to be fun. Um, and it, it's funny, as you mentioned too, like ironically, that's kind of what they closed out the game on. Well, actually, they scored two of the touchdown drives that they had. They had big, you know, bombs up the up the flank that they caught, you know. But I kept thinking to myself, I'm like, man, they're just going to keep going for it and going for it and going for it. And it's like, I'm fine if they if that's what the defense is giving you, and you get one on one on the edges. I mean, take that. I would take that every single time. But yeah, when you do juxtapose that with the fact that like Miles Sanders had fewer actual touches than bomb deep bomb attempts that you had, yeah. it does look funky. And you got to here's the thing, Peggy. This is the point that I was making in the takeaways article is that I think people need to frame the argument a little bit better when they're complaining about the lack of touches for Miles Sanders, because just because he doesn't touch the ball, doesn't mean that he could not have touched the ball. Right. So if you run zone read, here's what I'll say, right? Okay. So say this is the nature of the RPO on the zone read. 
if Jalen Hurts, if say say for example, for the sake of the exercise, that the Eagles ran 100 zone reads in a row, right? So Jalen Hurts is here. I like he's, this. Kevin's up out of the chair. He's reading. Hang on, I'm off the frame here. He's reading Micah Parsons, right? Okay. If Mike and and Miles Sanders is standing right here. If Micah Parsons stands there 100 times in a row and he hands the ball off 100 times in a row to Miles Sanders, which is the correct read, then Miles Sanders is going to run the ball 100 times in a row. Vice versa, if Micah Parsons crashes on him 100 times in a row, he's going to pull and he's going to take the edge, right? So he's making the correct read, but in the nature of making the correct read, it may just steer the touches away from Miles Sanders into Jalen Hurts instead. So it's not that he's doing the wrong thing. It's just that when running back touches are factored into option plays, there's the idea or the, the possibility that he may not even touch the ball at all. Right. So, so you don't really want to blame the 17 rushes on Shane Steichen and Nick Sirianni because it's all just read. A lot of it is, but he does do designed runs. Yeah. I mean, they had the third the touchdown down, was a design run that they had yeah. for sure. You know, and it's hard sometimes to identify what's an option and what's not. But yeah, just the nature of the Eagles offense, like because they are very option heavy, very RPO heavy, very zone read heavy, that Jalen Hurts could make the right read over and over and over and over and over again. It just means that like the ball's not finding Miles Sanders. So that's why you got to design, you got to make sure that you you do enough outside of the option game where you're just handing him the ball. Line up under center, hand it to him. Give him a, a pitch or something, you know? Throw him a screen. Like, I, I, you know, regardless of how the the reads go, like, Miles Sanders does have to touch the ball, right? You know, so you can't just chalk it up to say, well, it just that's what the defense was giving us, and that's just how it went. Like, you still have to get the ball in your best guy's hands. Another note real quick, too, while I'm on it. Uh, I don't need to see Quez Watkins run the ball ever again. <laughs> yeah, you're very anti-Quez this week. No, I am. I'm very down on Quez. He looked like Jalen Rager in this game. Maybe he was cold too. And, and remind me to do my uh, geography lesson for everybody too. Um, but yeah, I mean, they, you know, Dallas Goddard, I think where they really miss Dallas Goddard is they throw him those great screens mm-hmm. where he just rumbles for like eight or 10 yards or something like that. So that's going to be good to have him back. But I don't need to see any more sideways shit, no more lateral shit. I don't know if they were trying to make the Bears respect the edges or something like that. But Quez Watkins was not like, Tavon Austin in college, he ran the ball five times for 12 yards at Southern Miss. Like he was a receiver. He wasn't some hybrid That's guy. That's crazy. Not- you think, you think yeah. Quez Watkins would be faster than anybody in whatever conference Southern Miss plays in? Yeah, I think they were Conference USA back then, or maybe they still are. Does Conference USA even exist anymore? I think so. But I believe so, yeah. Yeah, they were not playing like world beaters. They were playing like, you know, uh, UAB, right? So, um, or Tulane or whatever. So yeah, UTSA. The Roadrunners. Yeah, the Roadrunners. Yeah, holy shit. So it's like, I just, regardless of what the defense is showing you, I, I still think it's it's the, the the prerogative of the offensive coordinator to get the ball in your best player's hands. You know, and, and they did. A.J. Brown had a ton of it. Jalen Hurts had a ton of it. And, and Devontae Smith had a ton of it. But um, every so often they have one of these things where it's like, what, what is this with Quez Watkins? You know, they were trying to run the clock at the end of the game and they gave him like a sweep or some shit, you know? Yeah. How, how ballsy was that, uh, was that screen pass? on third, and I think it was 10 to Devontae Smith. I mean, that doesn't convert. We might be singing a different tune, and I actually want to bring in Philly fans' uh, question right here. Is this a result of Dallas losing? If the Eagles had to win, I'm sure this would not have come out, and they would just give Jalen Hurts some painkiller on Saturday. And I I, I think if they really needed to give him a shot at Toradol and and you needed, hey, Jalen, we need you to go out and win this game, I do think Jalen Hurts plays this game. Because they still actually haven't officially ruled him out, even though it's going towards him being ruled out. 
Well, and he threw that beautiful like bomb in the fourth quarter for AJ Brown with a sprain. What six for nine, one hundred and two yards after he sprained his right shoulder? Like, yeah, yeah the dude, like I know the dude's probably playing on adrenaline and everything, yeah. but yeah. like, that's a stat line off of a sprained right shoulder that could be what some Twitter doctors are saying: ten to fourteen day injury. Well, you know, it's interesting, too, because people were already starting to formulate the WIP takes. Should they rest everybody in Dallas, even before the Jalen Hurts shit came out? You know, it's like it's funny because there's actually some logic in those kinds of things. But players and GMs and coaches just are not conditioned to think that way. There was a thought the same thing, same thought happened in the World Cup when the USA England game ultimately really did not mean shit because they had to beat Iran anyway or Iran, excuse me. so, but, but it's, it's, this makes it a little bit more linear, right? So Minshew goes and plays down there. You want to beat the shit out of new Orleans anyway, because of the draft pick mm-hmm. and the position. Right. And then the giants, you know, if you've got it wrapped up when you play the giants, what I would do pagans is like, I would treat it like the first game of the preseason. And I would roll these guys out and I would let them play a series or two, get some reps in. And and that way you're not having them rest for two weeks. You know, 100%. I mean? probably the best way to do it, you know? Do you think in the back of the mind of, of maybe not the players, but the guys who were here for the full, the Foles and Wench drama. So like your Howie, your Howie Roseman's and your Jeffrey Lurie's and, and that front office and stuff. I'm not really talking Jason Kelsey, Brandon Graham. Cause I, I think they're just kind of like next game up, whatever in the back of their mind, they don't want to answer the questions of a QB controversy, first of all. And then I think they also don't want to answer the questions of, you know, say they they don't play in week 18, uh, they get the bye and they lay, you know, an absolute egg against whoever they play in the second round and they lose. I don't want to hear. I know I don't want to hear the rust over rest questions. Um, what do you think? Do you think in the back of their mind, they're like, yeah, we don't feel like doing, you know, eight months between the end of the game and, and, and next season. Uh, everybody questioning us on whether, you know, is there a backup QB controversy or is there, uh, should, should we have arrested the guys in the, in week 18? Yeah. I don't know. It's interesting, man. I just think that uh, what comes to my mind the most with this is that when you look at last year's playoffs, um, the Titans and the Packers both lost, you know, it, when they, when they both had the buy and, so I, I just, yeah, I, I don't. I, I don't think it was good. Don't get me wrong, but I feel like yeah. they were such a they were such a um, just a in the minority. I mean, they had so many injuries. I mean, that was true. a team that just over. Uh, yeah, that's side. true. That's true. I don't know. I just um, I don't think uh, they have anything to lose this weekend. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's enough talent there that they can win with Gardner Minshew. And if they don't, I'm not going to be upset about it. They'll come out and they'll smack New Orleans. And, uh, you know, then you ask the question about what you do with the Giants game. You know, I think that's pretty much how it's how it's going to go. You know? Um, Yeah, I I don't I don't it's it's it complicates it now with the new uh, with the new setup, you know, because then you also have to think like. Hey, they may get Dallas or Tampa in that first game, you know? So then are you showing? I, I don't know. I think one of the things that's overrated actually is like, well, they uh, didn't want to show anything on tape to 
you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, you've seen the whole fucking playbook for the Eagles. <laughs> They're not saving anything, right? They don't run a complicated off. We're 15 weeks into the season. Like, how many more wrinkles can you really add to the playbook? I mean, I guess you could add Philly Philly to the playbook, you know, for the Super Bowl and everything yeah. like they did. But, like, you're exactly right. Like, how much more wrinkles can they get? Hey, you know, they run RPO. They like to go long. Yeah. They like to beat you on the ground when they have to, and they like to beat you through the air, and the defense tries to stop the run, and they're not going to blitz, and uh, Jonathan Gannon's scheme is to not let up the big play. I mean – yeah, I mean that's what I'm saying. I think I think you you make a point too, like Philly special or whatever. That's stuff that they add as they mm-hmm. go away. But it's not like, oh, we're going to run a vanilla. I had people were saying like, I don't think they wanted to show Chicago a lot. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? They didn't want to show Chicago a lot. They ran like their typical playbook, you know, outside of the weird Quez Watkins stuff. So I don't know. You're not. You're not. Nobody's on cruise control in week 14 or 15 or whatever it is now. But. uh you know, I, I I think that they're probably gonna. I think what happens is the Eagles will be competitive, and this game could go either way on Christmas Eve. And then they beat the Saints, and they clinch if they didn't clinch already. And then they probably, you know, then they got to make the decision about what they do with the Giants. But I would just play the starters for like a series or two, and then pull them. You know, so yeah, I mean. The, I'm looking at the Cowboys schedule right now. Obviously, they got the Eagles, but then they got the Titans and they got the Commanders, and the Commanders are probably going to be playing for playoff position. So, like, I think you know, obviously, you want to win and you're in and just make it easy. Obviously, the Vikings and the Cowboys still have to lose. I mean, the Cowboys don't have an easy last three games, not as easy as the Eagles do. And then I don't know the Vikings schedule, but I'm going to look it up right now. Um, you know, this could have been a lot easier too if the Colts could have just pulled away and not. And Jeff Saturday didn't Jeff yeah. Saturday on a yeah. Saturday. Yeah, that'll do it for Jeff Saturday's uh, coaching career, I think. Um, but all the media members who are coming out with doing their victory lap after he beat the Raiders are probably feeling like dumbasses right now, you know. But uh, yeah, it's yeah. wild. Hey, here, let, let me let me read you off a stat. The last this comes from Mike Mulhern on Twitter. Last six Eagles Cowboys QB matchups have not featured the same two guys in a game. 2019, Wentz versus Dak. 2020, Wentz versus Danucci. 2020, Hertz versus Dalton. 2021, Hertz versus Dak. 2021, Minshew versus Dak. 2022, Hertz versus Rush. That's insane. The last yeah, six then, matchups have not had. They've had twice the number one Q. Uh, the, the the two number one QBs have played each other in six years. Yeah, so they're going to go uh, six out of the last seven Cowboys Eagles games. After we get through this weekend, we'll have. Uh, of the last seven Eagles Cowboys games, you're gonna have six different combinations of quarterbacks playing in it. That's crazy, man. The circumstances are different for almost every single one. Dak had the ankle injury and then he had the thumb injury. Mm-hmm. Wentz was benched for the one of them. Mm-hmm. Last year they sat Hertz because it was the end of the year. Um yeah, so there was a there was a, a thumb, an ankle, a benching, uh a resting. And yeah, only th- so I think there are only three times that you could have had the two starters playing each other. And the one of those, they and that 2017 season, that last game of the year, I don't remember that. Remember that six nothing game? Yeah. That's when uh, that's when and, and Wentz never played. No, no. So that was the same thing. Yeah, it was crazy when you when you think about that. It's just I don't know the the the. It always seems like the Cowboys and Eagles has some weird asterisk like floating around with it. Somebody's injured or it's like at the end of the year when somebody's already clinched or I don't know. It feels like there's been a lot of just weird like uh, yeah. circumstances, you know, um, the uh, I was before Hertz got injured. I was looking back to see like when the last like great Eagles Cowboys game like going into its storyline. You could argue that you have to go back to 2013. When it was a win, when either team won, it was win and in. And yeah. that's crazy. 
I mean, some people will argue, I think there was a game a couple years ago, 2019 or 2018, where the Eagles won and then they won the next week and they clinched the NFC East. But like that team was like nine and seven. Like it wasn't like an, and, and, and everyone, that was the NFC least year where everyone was like, had a losing record up until like the, the end of the season and stuff. This is yeah. like the last, like, like nine years ago is when you have to go back to two teams that were actually pretty freaking good and they were fighting for a playoff spot. So. It's true. And I don't think it's funny too, because we always talk about, we talked about Dallas week when we had Cratch on a couple weeks ago, we talked about Dallas week. Do people care about Dallas the way that they used to? I don't think Dallas week really resonates because it's already every week for the Eagles. This season has been hyped up because they're that good. You know, I mean, if it was Hertz playing, you know, Dak this Saturday, then sure, it would be a huge week. But with the Michael Parsons stuff, yeah. Michael Parsons stuff, yeah. So we lose out on that. You know, by the way, I think that story was beaten to death. That story jumped the shark. Like, I don't know, man. I wasn't ready to let it go. No, I put a moratorium on it on the site. I don't think I even told you because you weren't here. I saw the tweet. I saw the tweet. Yeah, I was like, I'm done with this shit. I'm not writing another single thing about it. By the way, real quick. I don't know if it's the shadows or something that's messing with me. My mom, when we when I had the sinus infection, my mom was like, maybe you have a deviated septum. Hmm. And I'm like, I don't think so. I think I just have a big nose. But uh, I think it's normal. I think the, the, the shadow, I don't know. The way the shadows are here, I may, maybe there might be a little, I don't know. Yeah, my right, your left side of your nose does look a little yeah. bigger, but it does look also there might be a shadow cast there. It could be. It's throwing me off. It's really fucking with my head right now. I got to be honest. Maybe I'll turn. Maybe I'll do like sideways like this. All right. Well, if you want to take, you know, the next couple of minutes off to figure it out, we do have Ann Sanfilippo here. Yeah. Let me, let me, you guys should see the stuff that's coming out of my nose. Actually, you don't want to see it, but that's the point really. But I mean, it's like, it looks like it's not even made by a human. It looks like something out of the alien franchise or whatever. What color are we going with? I mean, pull, pull any shade of green out of the spectrum, man. It's like gross. Kelly, Kelly green. Yeah, yeah, the Kelly Green, Kelly Green snot rockets. There, I should have got like a Guinness World Book of Records dude here because I was like firing snot rockets left and right. I was actually outside walking the dog, and I had to cough so quickly I couldn't get my hand over my mouth, and I coughed, and this loogie just came flying out of my mouth and went like ten feet or something. It was a weird, it was the weirdest, uh, weirdest. A lot shit. of people will think that's gross, but there's nothing better than a good loogie or a good snot rocket. I'll tell you that. <laughs> there's, there's not. It feels good. Yeah, it's a great segue to amp, by the way. Yeah. Hey, speaking of snot rockets, yeah. Ant San Filippo's here. Yeah. I want to thank Kevin for uh, chasing everybody off the podcast just before I ho- hopped on. Yeah. So that nobody, yeah. nobody would listen to any, anything. You think the Flyers talk doing that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We really have to talk about the Flyers. I got to go. We don't. Sit down. I just want to hear about. I got to sit Maggie's down there tonight. And I got you know, man alive. I got to talk about them now yeah. too. Yeah. No, no, That's no, enough listen. about the Eagles. Let's get it back to the Flyers on, yeah. the, on the program <laughs> exactly. here. Too. Compare yeah. compare this Flyers team to a you can't Eagles team. Back you can't compare. Day. You can't compare them to anything. It's just that crazy. Well, so let's say like I mean, you can sit there and say, well, you know this. The Sixers during the rebuild, right? They were in the process. They were really bad, right? 10 and 72. But at least you knew that they were going to be like, they told you they were going to, they basically told you they were doing that. Um, But as far as uh, going with, you know, going into this season where they were like, yeah, well, we're going to be competitive. And yet it continues to get worse. Just when you thought it hit rock bottom last year. Oh, no. It actually gets worse this year. So they're they're really I can't think of a time in in sports where a team has been 
this far removed from its fan base. From its core fan base? Well, I mean, you're still going to get some people go down, right? I mean, obviously. I mean, they're not it's, they're not playing to crickets. But um, when the Flyers were bad, and let's just let's go back just for, you know, your, your age group, 2007, right? Worst team in hockey that season. Hmm. That building still had – even at the end of the season, we're still getting – 17, 18,000. Yeah, there were some empty seats, but it was still mostly. Now, you, I mean, it's, it's terrible. Like, nobody cares. Nobody wants to go. And they've done this to themselves. They have kind of really, they've separated that. The Rangers game last, the last home game they had on Saturday. Now, I wasn't down there. Uh, it was my dad's birthday party, but so I wasn't there. But all the, uh, every reaction has been like the Rangers fans took over to the Wells Fargo Center. It was all New York Rangers people at the game. It doesn't surprise me. It feels a lot like when uh, the Mets took over the Phillies, uh, took over Citizens Bank Park this year. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a better team in the Phillies who were competitive and whatnot, but we were still kind of thinking, like, is this team any good? People weren't, you know, in love with them and everything. The only problem is, you know, there was a brighter future ahead, it looked like, for the Phillies than it is for the uh, Flyers, but... What what what's up with the whole Cam Atkinson thing? Because it, it's it's so weird, and and I don't know how much you know, I don't know how much you can share and whatnot, but it's like, they, they, it, a lot of people thought he was going to be gone or he's going to be injured for a while. Then they go day to day, then they go week to week. He's out there fighting with Rasmus Ristolainen in practice. They're going to the ice and everything, like, and now he's getting neck surgery. So like, what the hell is going on there? Yeah, well, look, Kev, you expected you expected you know. This guy to, to be able to pronounce Finnish last names? Come on. Ain't, no, but that's the perfect snapshot right there of how little people <laughs> give a shit about this team. Pagan doesn't even know how to say the de- the, the second pair defenseman's name. He's actually right. a top pair defenseman. Oh, he's now. a top pair now. Well, there he's you playing go. with Provorov, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. oh, right, yeah, because yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um now the Atkinson thing is is kind of weird. Um they thought up until last week that he was going to come back and play. Literally last Friday, when they put him on injured reserve, they thought going into Friday at that morning practice, they thought he was playing the next day against the Rangers. And I think from talking to you, you never expected him to come back, right? Or you had a a thought that maybe he wasn't coming back. I I thought that. So what we what I had been told all along was that he was trying to come back from the injury. Uh, but that if it didn't happen within a certain amount of time, then he was going to choose surgery. And then if he chose surgery, that would be it for the year. Um, but I, I don't know. Like mm-hmm. it was, it was just the weirdest thing. Like you talk, you talked to people last week and it was like, Oh yeah, yeah. He's going to play this weekend. And then all of a sudden he's out for the year. It's like, so it is weird, yeah. but the reason he's out for the year is his call. And okay. his personal doctor, who we went to go see in Columbus, um, they made the call that he probably should seek surgery. Now, this is a neck injury, and I, I'm no expert. I'm not going to sit here and try and tell you what it is. But it's a neck injury that's causing, I guess, nerve issues mm-hmm. um, in his sh- parts of his shoulder and arm. Okay. So – the question is what we, we don't no one's really said what the surgery is going to be now. Joel Farabee, who they who the media talked to yesterday, 
had in the summer had a surgery that was um, uh, disc replacement, which is the same surgery Jack Eichel had last year. Both of the, both surgeries of which uh, could be career threatening. However, both guys being young, recovered well, came back and played hockey. Farabee faster than Eichel, which was pretty incredible. Um, although he's not quite been to form and Torts is now saying he's not going to let him hide behind that injury. Um, so so uh, there's that. But this is not the same injury, but there's a thought that it might be similar enough that it could have the same kind of ramifications off of it, whether that means, you know, and also he's 33, so he's a little bit older, right? So the recovery might not be as easy. So that's why there's still an a belief, even though the Flyers, Chuck Fletcher comes out and says, oh, yeah, we expect to make a full recovery. You listen to Torts. Torts says, hopefully he'll be ready for next season. So the, so there you go. So, who so knows? You, you mentioned it with like the whole communication thing where it was like some people thought that, you know, Atkinson would be playing this weekend. Then you talked to, you know, then you just said like how Atkinson went to go see his personal doctor. Like, is this stuff normal in an organization where like, hey, you know, I need a second opinion. I need a, I need it from my guy slash like. Some people in the organization don't even know that Atkinson was probably getting season-ending surgery all along. No, I, I, I th is it normal? I mean, I wouldn't say that it's 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 normal, but it's becoming more normal. I think that over the years, I mean, there's always been times when players have gone to seek a second opinion, especially for something that's going to potentially knock them out for a long period of time. Players have always went to seek a second opinion somewhere like the specialist who is in Alabama who does Tommy John or the specialist in L.A. who does, you know, labrum sh uh, surgeries. Like so there's guys who there's, and, you know, who are known for that. So that they're going to go talk to those doctors. Um, but I think that you're seeing more and more in pro sports now a mistrust of team medical personnel because. I think that players feel like teams try to push them back faster than they should. And so therefore, because of that, they're like, well, we want to go talk to our own doctor or somebody else that we know and see what they say. And try now, in this case, it sounds like Atkinson's doctor was on board with him trying to rehab first and try and come back and play. Like that was not – this was not like a thing where he's like, oh, my doc was like, no. And near docs were like, yes. I mean, that, so there was they were there was simpatico. Right. But um, I, I think it just got to a point where they decided it would be better to go ahead with with the surgery for, you know, for his long term future, as opposed to trying to get back and playing in a season that's going to be a lost season for the team. What's up with uh, Kevin Hayes getting benched? Dude, what a mess, right? I mean, I think he's going to be back in the lineup tonight. It looks like he's going to play tonight. Um, but Torts just he just doesn't like players who are lazy defensively, number one. Um, and then secondly, you know, make you know, sometimes he makes decisions in the offense. He's such a good puck possession guy. Like he holds onto the puck, holds onto it, holds onto it. And then sometimes rather than just, you know, look for a teammate and, and dump the puck off, what he'll do is he'll just like throw it on net, like yeah, yeah. towards the net. And then either the goalie makes a save or, 
it's really easy play for the goalie to just kind of kick to the corner and defenseman goes and gets it and comes back the other way. And towards is like, you just wasted our offensive opportunity there. Yeah. And I think there team, was one too the other night and where was it the New Jersey game where he was just kind of dicking around on the blue line or whatever. Yeah. There was like a two on one well, going, going the other way. He turned the puck. Yeah. And then he turns the puck over in the game in Vegas that uh, leads to the game winning goal in, in, uh, in overtime for, yeah. for Vegas. Yeah. And that was a game. The flyers played their ass off and, probably deserved to win and didn't um and then yeah, there was a turnover in the game that he was um sat in the third period against that was the game you're talking about the jersey game yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. he sits in the th- sits the third period and then he gets benched the next game and now he's like he comes out and says i didn't deserve to be benched but he's the coach and he's going to make the lineup and blah 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 so there's obviously still a disconnect there like he's not getting what torts is asking i think my so. and i think my problem with that or not my problem but my take on it was like look if you're a contender and you got a bunch of talent and you can afford to do something like this and send a message and assert your control okay so be it but like i mean you you only got like five guys who are like even you know average level nhl players at this point can you really (laughs) i don't know afford to bench kevin hayes And and then i come back to this i'm like well they're not really trying to win anyway yeah, I want to I want to piggyback on that before you answer that. And doesn't he he has a no trade clause, correct? Kevin Hayes? Yeah. Um, it's a modified modified no trade. If so, I am correct, I'm just hoping that up. like he I'm going to look that up it? just to make sure. Yeah. Like, yeah, is, but go go it, ahead. I'm sorry. No, is is this like benching kind of hope that like he waves it because his contract is coming up and they probably do want to get some pieces for him and stuff. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. So, well, here's the thing. So he does have a modified no trade, and the modified no trade is he's allowed to make a list of 12 teams that he cannot be traded to. Okay. So there still leaves 20 teams that he can be traded to. Um, So that's what it is. Uh, The problem, I think, right now, uh, originally I had seen a path for them to trade Kevin Hayes, and that path was was a point-per-game player. He's having a really good start to his season offensively. He's never going to be a great defensive player, but then towards smartly moving him to the wing um, limits the mistakes that he makes defensively and then gives him an opportunity. He's playing uh, most of his uh, shifts are starting in the offensive zone. 58% of his shifts this year have started in the offensive zone in his career. He's only been 50. So it just goes to show you how much towards is like really pushing for him to play in the offensive end and not in the defensive end. Um, so there was a, like a real path because you also thought, well, gee, the, salary cap's going to go up, right? So teams will look at this contract and go, okay, yeah, there's three years left on it. All right, but you know what? Maybe we'll be willing to take some. Maybe the Flyers will buy out portion of it. Like they'll they'll say, hey, we'll pay, you know, 30% of the contract or whatever and make it more palatable over the next three seasons and think, okay, this is a player who can help us. Well, then Bettman comes out a week and a half ago and says, yeah, it doesn't look like this uh, – uh, debt that the, the the players owe um, is going to be paid off by the end of this season, so we may not have that salary cap jump next year. Wait, there's a debt that the players owe. It was this is tied to the pandemic, right? So this is a that there it was put into an escrow, so the players have been paying it back out of their current. So they were paid their regular salaries during pandemic, but because the teams weren't making the, the same money, mm. they said, okay, we'll pay you, but you have to then pay us back the difference in the in the share that the league shares with the players over the course of the next two seasons which they thought would get done by the end of this year 
it's like it's minimal what's left. I think it's like seven million dollars. That's all that's Bettman. left. They just so, raised the goddamn cap, Bettman. Jesus. But Christ. but that's but it was because it was negotiated, bar collectively bargained between both the players' association and the league. Bettman's kind of saying, "Well, yeah, if it's even if there's a penny left, that's what we agreed." Okay, you know, Comcast it, just come out and be like, "Hey, listen." Well, of course, this is a small market. This is the small market teams running the league again, which which is why there have been two lockouts in the past. Um, and Bettman sides with the small market teams because there's enough of them to keep him from being voted out of of his job. Um, so he always supports the small market teams. And this is a Mickey Mouse league in the sense that it's play- it has one of its teams playing in a five thousand seat arena in Arizona. So, I mean, how can they even contribute to like really contribute to the uh, revenue share that's happening? It's, it's a joke, right? It's embarrassing. So it's, I mean, someone just got their finger cut off in that arena. Yeah. Yeah. That (laughs) fight in the the first game back, that fight that dad defending his daughter lost his finger. And uh, I guess they saved it and put it back on. I think I I should have put that up on the site. I've I've failed in getting that up on the site. It must've been like a weekend or something. It was a great, it was last weekend. Yeah. It was, it was a, it was a good fight, man. Good fan fight. Hey, so we all did our jokes about uh, Sedlak uh, leaving and going back to the Czech Republic. Um, Yeah. Uh, is there anything to a guy just up and saying, fuck it, I'm out? Or like, do you like you really feel it was like family? I got to go home. And whatever. Well, I mean, it, it, to me, it was a homesickness thing. I mean, his um, I don't know if it's if it's his fiance or just girlfriend, but she's in school over there and couldn't come here. So like he's not not with her. Um, his family's all over there in the Czech Republic. But I think it was a situation where he's a veteran player who got an opportunity to come back. Um, and play in the NHL, and for the one coach that he kind of liked playing for, he did well in Columbus when he was with Torts. Um, but because the team sucks, it's like, what am I doing here? Like, I could do the same thing and be at home, right? I mean, that's that's really what it came down to. And, and isn't that a huge like loss in the optics department? Isn't that a massive <laughs> indictment on what the Flyers are at this point? This dude would rather fuck off back to the Czech Republic than play in the NHL for for the Flyers. It's like PJ Tucker coming in this year, and like the the Sixers are totally shit in the bed. You're like, I can do this back wherever the hell I'm from. Like, yeah. you know what? I'm out. I'm yeah, going to play over in Europe. Here's another thing too, and I haven't reported this yet so this is kind of new new newish news here on crossing broadcast but i spoke to someone um in upper management before sedlak left um there had been a report out of the czech republic that it could be happening um and someone sent it to me uh with the english translation obviously i'm not translating czech um and and so i so i asked someone in upper management and they said uh no, no, no. And he he's not just going to walk away. Like we like him. Like he's played really well for us. We don't want him to leave. Like this is, you know, we're not going to let him go. He had more ice time. He had the moose logging the most ice time of his career. And then and then the next day, the very next day, he's gone. And this person messaged me back and said, "Well, I had no idea. I wasn't told this was coming." So you want to talk about lack of communication? That's exactly right. Your lack of communication <laughs> yeah. point. Like this is, a, this is not this is the Mickey Mouse franchise owned by Comcast. If this was owned by Disney, this would be a literal Mickey Mouse <laughs> franchise. I don't know an NBC property that I can just kind of make the same correlation. But you know what? It's a Mickey Mouse franchise. We'll have to find out who NBC owns and name it this. Yes, it's bad. It's it's just I, like you know, and I, and I tell I tell Kevin all the time, like when I'm going down to the game. You know, and I'm going to do a Flyers thing. And then I get down there and I'm like, what the hell am I going to write now? 
Like I, I feel like I write the same shit. Well, here's the solution. Here's every what game. Here's what we're gonna do. Anthony, I think, will be the Phillies guy. <laughs> like moving forward, for I think I'll probably ask you probably to do like half Phillies and half Flyers because it's just oh, that's fine. What yeah. a, you know? Yeah, I figured you would probably like that because it's like, yeah. what the fuck else are we gonna write about the? flyers every we've, time anyway we've got a couple suggestions this is a minions ass franchise by bumpy jonas which that's pretty good that's pretty good and then someone alex day just goes it's a michael scott franchise so basically this is just dunder mifflin it's just dunder mifflin we're just they, we're should, just- they really should they should they did that um behind the scenes video the uh for training camp this year i don't know if you watched any of it, it. Good. the standard it was well made i mean yeah. i give the flyers a lot of credit like the, the people on the business side who put that together and made made it really happen but really, they could just as easily turn it into an office kind of per show, right? And just kind of just let the cameras roll and just let the people be themselves. And it would be much more funny. Just have Kevin Hayes look at the camera every time something stupid happens. I feel like he'd be the best Jim. <laughs> yes, he was. Jim. Kevin Hayes is Jim. There's yeah. no doubt Kevin Hayes is Jim. Yes. Right. Who's Dwight Schrute? Lawton, he's a little. Uh, Lawton's a little quirky. Scott Lawton is, is Lawton's awesome. Shooting. Let me tell you something. Lawton's awesome. Um, yeah. Uh, it would. Carter really- Hart's a little quirky. <laughs> yes, Carter Hart is very quirky. Very quirky. Uh, yeah, it's a tough one. That's a tough one for Shrewd. I don't. I don't know. I don't know who Dwight would be. Well, think about that as we uh, segue into here. I want. I want you. Want you to help us do some media analysis, Craig. If you got that. Uh, that thing, you can fire it up here, but. Um, so I guess you saw this, or maybe you didn't, from uh, Jenna Lane. Uh, let me just set it up real quick here. So Gio Bernard fucked up a fake punt in the Bucks game. I guess they snapped it to him, and it just hit him or something, I think is what happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then so the reporters were trying to, like, seek him out in the uh, locker room after the game to try to, you know, ask him what happened there. And um, they kind of right, – well, we can play it, and you'll find out what happened. Well, you were injured all year. What have you done for us to talk to you about all year? I talked to you Tuesday. Just don't just talk. Don't say you're not talking because I didn't talk to you all year. You were also injured most of the season too. Hold on, relax. Can I can I go to my family that I have outside? And you all can. Of a sudden now, just just don't say we didn't talk to you we, all year. We just wanted to ask Ooh. for your perspective on what happened. You, there. You're involved in one of the biggest plays of the game. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Jim. I appreciate That's your all. time. We do. We won't hold you. We, we would have talked to you in the season, but also okay, you were injured. Just tell us what occurred on the, on the play. Miscommunication, that's all it was on my part. I take complete fault for that. Was did it a know? fake? I don't know. It was complete fault. My fault. That's it. Did, Is that something the team hasn't practiced It's on me. All me. That's uh, something I did wrong, and that's all. So you were It was aware? all on me. Yep. Number 25 nice out team. there. That was me. Um, I was the one that did it. But were you aware it was, it was just a fake? Yeah, I, I messed up. I understand that. But I'm just asking if you knew it was I messed we just up. didn't know if it was a communication. Yeah, I messed down. up. Thank you. Yep. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Oh, that was okay. that was what? A minute four? Oh, that was a minute four of just cringing. Yeah. It's, a, it's an embarrassment to journalism. How so? Yeah. In so many ways. I mean, let's let's start with the fact that it's incredibly entitled. Like you are entitled to, I am entitled to get this information from you. I'm How not dare you not, but it is in the NFL players association contract that they do have to speak to the media. I'm- yes, I get it. But guess what? If he doesn't want to answer the question, he doesn't have to answer the question. And he didn't. And, and you just basically got 30 seconds of him being okay. like, it was my but, fault. And you got no so quote but, out of it. But making it worse is the fact that a, they're saying shit to him at the beginning that they should never be saying to the guy, especially on camera. B, 
they then post she posts the video which is what why are you posting it she says it's for transparency transparency my ass you're posting it because you didn't like the answer that you got and you want to say look at me i'm doing my job and this guy's making my job difficult this is not how you do it this is not get a relationship with the player you know and when he says you haven't talked to me all year that's what he's saying he's saying i don't even know who you are like you guys don't talk to me and now all of a sudden you want to talk to me as I'm walking out the, of the building to go see my family, you know, and I get it. I mean, look, I mean, yes, he's involved in that play and it's an important play, but is that the reason that the Buccaneers lost the game? Do we really have to hunt down Giovanni Bernard? I don't know if you guys watched that game. My son is a huge Buccaneers fan. Unfortunately, I had to watch the entire thing. <laughs> they okay. turned it over like four times. In that five, yeah. five turnovers. You're up like 17 to three. They were up 17, nothing, nothing. Yeah. Five turnovers in the game. And and it was a complete breakdown of everything. Yeah, but that was one of the turnovers. Brady had three. I think it was three were Brady's. Like he was terrible. Brady's a much bigger story right now for that team than freaking Giovanni Bernard not catching, not knowing that there was a fake snap or a fake. He's been like coming. injured. He's been like injured for part of the year. I don't. Yeah, think played, like I mean, really, want to get all over Gio Bernard? I get it. It was against his former team, et cetera. Et cetera but whatever. I mean, come yeah. on. And I, I do. Said, uh, go ahead, I'm go. sorry. No, if you're still going, Ann, go. You're you're on a roll. No, man. but I mean, I mean, that's that's what I'm saying. It's and it's and I don't know why today's media folk, maybe because they didn't, they were not trained. Maybe because they were not, they're they're just thrown into it now. And it's if they're not, there was no, there's no training on how do you develop these relationships? How do you work with these players? How do you gain their trust so that they'll tell you something? Right? I mean. I mean, that kind of stuff doesn't exist anymore. And it's not like it's just something that's new. I mean, this goes, this goes back and, and Kev, I think you pointed it out before on, on uh, crossing broad when you pointed out when um, Chris long was ripping Justina Anderson, like, you know, we got to be careful when you come around because you know, who knows what's going to get out there from, from you. Yeah. You got to know what time it is when she comes around. That's what he said yeah. Yeah, publicly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so, so I mean, that's the kind of thing like, Players never said that before. There was never a situation where you walked into the into a locker room and players like, "Don't talk to this guy, don't talk to that guy." You know that just didn't happen because yeah. it was a whole different. And social media obviously changes the whole premise of everything. I get it, right? But I just don't think that that reporters today have been taught how to go into a locker room and talk to players or talk to coaches, talk to executives and know how to handle it. They just want to, they want to ask these questions, look at the, look at me questions and then put it on video and say, I'm the best damn reporter out there because I asked this and I treated this guy like this. And it doesn't matter. And who what, gives a shit? And, and nobody gives a shit about what's said in return. This is why I complain about Howard Eskin all the time, because everybody yeah. makes a big deal about, well, you got to ask the hard questions. You got to ask the tough questions. That's only half of it. It doesn't mean shit if you don't get anything in return, right? right? And so they did not get anything. Here's where they failed twice. You know, she says in the tweet, our job is to seek clarity, okay? They got no clarity from Gio Bernard. They got canned generic answers because right. he didn't want to talk and he hated the approach and the approach was unprofessional. Number two, the second way they failed is because they made themselves a story. I right? can't do that. We're all Never talking about them. So yep. they failed twice on that. I don't I just hate the approach because it seems arrogant and it seems entitled and it's like you have to talk to us or whatever contractually mandated or not. There's kind of like an unwritten rule ant where it's like you can tell when a guy wants to talk and when he doesn't want to talk and if he doesn't want to talk that time. okay, I get it. You had a bad game. They will get you the next time. They should talk to the fans. They should be held accountable. 
doesn't always have to be the media as a conduit. If you want to go on social media and say, Hey, I screwed up. Sorry. AJ Brown did this earlier this year with, uh, I don't know if it was the fumble or something or something like that, but he said, Hey, it's my bad, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, Alec Bohm's another good example too. Came back what the next night and, or the night after or something, he apologized for what he yeah. said. No big deal, you know? And yeah. so, um, that's my problem. Like this guy goes up to him and he says, what have you done for us all season long? Or what have you done all season long for us to talk to you? You know, here's, it's like. Here, and here's the one thing I want to say about, and you're hundred percent right with everything you just said, but here's the one thing I want to say about asking the hard questions. I can't tell you how many times we see that on Twitter, right? Where fans yeah. are saying, you guys aren't asking the hard questions. You guys aren't asking the hard questions. I can guarantee you that there are people, not everybody, but there are people who are asking the hard questions. You may not see them in your press conferences. You may not see them on camera because those aren't the times to ask the hard questions. Yeah, the times right. to ask the hard questions to get the answer that you want. Otherwise, you're going to get a canned answer. You're going to get a nothing burger of an answer, right? Yeah, if you yeah. want to really get a good answer to a hard question, sometimes you have to do that one-on-one -on -one or do it yeah. privately or do it off record. Or in order to get those answers, that's how you have to do it. That's our job. That's how yeah. we... And I don't know. I mean, this is the whole old school, new school argument. Well, I think that in this case, and, and I, I'm not always you know, going to be right, but I think in this case, old school is the right way to go. The Kevin's talked about this before, and I think that's why you made a – I'm looking at your headline right now in Crossing Broad, Ridiculous Locker Room Exchange with Giovanni Bernard is a good example of why people are down on the media. I would 100% agree that people are down on the media, and there's different – you know, uh, you, you can go to different examples why people are down on the media and whatnot. I just think I, I think I was talking about this with Craig in, in Chicago and I was just like, I think there's just too much. There might be just too much media. Like, I, I understand, like, you know, it's contractually involved and everything. But going from Nick Sirianni to then Jonathan Gannon to then Shane Steichen to then Michael Clay to then this to then that, unless the guy has like a bonehead decision, and everything. And I know you want clarity on some of the answers and stuff, but I, I would be honestly interested to see how many people care about what Michael Clay has to say when the, you know, when, when the special teams has a has a regular game. And not well, like that's the other, that's the other thing too. It's not these these people are acting like their job is so important, like they're like uncovering Russian collusion or like negotiating like <laughs> Iranian hostages or some shit like that. Exactly. Like to me, journalism. I always thought of journalism as like, you know, Peter Arnett is reporting in Baghdad while there's bombs flying overhead or something. Not asking, not ambushing Giovanni Bernard about a botched fake. Punt. And that's but true. That I mean, makes me laugh a little bit because I do true. this for a living, and I'm sitting here shitting on my own job. But I think over the years, I've discovered that locker room is less important, at least to me, because we're just a sports blog. We do a lot of stuff without quotes. Yeah. Quotes aren't as important to us. Right. But then we have Anthony, who goes down to the yeah, locker but the, room. The best and yeah. the best written things on Inquirer that I always read are like the behind the scenes of Jeff McLean sitting down with Nick Sirianni and going to yeah. his kid's t-ball game or, or, or spending a day with Nick Sirianni and just kind of getting behind. Because the they get to know these people. Yeah. They develop these relationships. Like, like Anthony, you can speak to this. Like yeah. Phil Jasner got to know like Alan Iverson and Aaron McKee and like all these people. And it's like. So when this person walked in, you knew you could trust that guy because you know he's not out to get you. You know, now you got like 400 motherfuckers walk into a locker room and it's like everybody puts their puts their guard up immediately. You know, and it's like that's why I like doing the Philadelphia Union because there's only like four of us. You know what I mean? So it's like, oh, there's Kevin, there's Tannenwald, there's Matt the George. You know, it's like so we were able to get to know these guys and get to know the coach and develop like this two-way level of trust where it's just like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna like burn you i'm not gonna bullshit you and so the, the we got great quotes and we had great stories and 
those guys uh, were able to speak freely just because we knew them and they trusted us. I think sometimes you you can't do that just because there's like a hundred motherfuckers walking into the locker room. How do you de- develop a relationship with a hundred people? You know. Yeah. Well, and the interesting thing is, is and 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 it, this is this is tough for teams in in, in all fairness, because as traditional media died and new media came into came into play and there's so many more outlets quote unquote now that are covering teams that the teams had to determine who should we grant access to and who should we not grant access to because i can tell you there was a time when newspapers were king and the internet was just you know, bloggers were Kyle sitting in his basement, right? When yeah. it legitimately was that, when, when a blog was that. Get, they couldn't get credentials. You couldn't get there. And yeah. so the only people, there would be days where we're at practice and there's five guys, five beat reporters. That was mm. all of us that was there. Yeah. And we would just go in and we had pick of the litter. It wasn't like, oh, we got to, you got to have the coaches going to have a press conference. Coaches never had press conferences. We just went to the coach's office and sat there. All right. And talked to the coach as long as we wanted to talk to him. The players, you didn't request four or five players. Everybody was available. The or they didn't pull them up to the, or they didn't pull them up to the dais or yeah. whatever because yeah, the locker room. It was open. just open to us. That was how it worked. That was, that was access. The funny word thing is, we use the word access now, and there's less access now than there ever was. Yeah. And so I think this is why Kevin's got a great point that do you really need the locker room stuff? Do you really need – there are very few people – John Tortorella is an exception, of course, so he's one of them. But there are very few people in sports today who is at, who are must-sit-down press conferences because you don't know they're going to say something that's great. Most press conferences are bullshit boring. Useless. Yeah. We found that out during the pandemic too, because I was still going to Sixers up until that point. Bob was still doing a little bit of Phillies before his job changed, but we learned very quickly that at least for crossing broad, like a lot of what we do is not really overly reliant on quotes because a lot of quotes are just bullshit. Mm-hmm. You know, to that uh, point of what Gio Bernard said, well, it's my, he basically gave an Andy Reid right there. You know, I got to do a better job. You know, that's all I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, sure. We got to do a better job. <clears throat> you know, right. these are actually real coughs for me because I'm sick. But uh, <laughs> I was surprised something didn't come out on the microphone. <laughs> it's There's something down there I'm working on. I mean, I'm going to try to make it through the <laughs> it's show. Just come, it's going to come right at the right at the screen like venom. from yeah, here's, a, here's a loogie yeah. to end the show. But I would just, just to reiterate my final point here. So, again, it's like, the thing with Howard and those people, because I feel like it turns into grandstanding fans focus <clears throat> on who asks the hard questions and who asks the tough questions. That's great. But if you ask the tough question and you don't get anything in return, then it doesn't matter. Then it doesn't matter what question was asked because ultimately that exercise was not fruitful. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we may get a viral funny video clip out of like doc rivers telling Howard Eskin that he's the boss or what did he say? I'm in charge here. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. But we didn't get an answer to Howard's question. Mm-hmm. So ultimately, was he successful or not? No, he was not successful. Oh. Yeah. I mean, this is why a lot of athletes are starting to go their own platforms, too, um, which I, I like, but I also think sucks because then you're just going to you, then you do. I forget what it was. There was um, there was something that that was Draymond or someone else, but it was just be like, oh, it was uh, J.J. Redick and Ben Simmons. J.J. Yeah. Redick and Ben Simmons are friends. All right. Every this is the first interview that JJ Reddick or that Ben Simmons gives in over a calendar year. And it was just kind of like, 
I don't think anyone who was a who was a Sixers fan came away like, okay, I kind of understand where Ben's coming from because I think a lot of times when you're friends with these people, you're giving them and you're tossing them softball questions and stuff, or their PR or their handlers are like, hey, you can't answer this, 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 and this, and it's more easier to be like, okay, I won't. Um, so that's kind of like a detriment to, and I and I still think obviously old media is needed, but with this new media and you got Draymond, you got Von Miller with Micah Parsons and stuff on these new podcasts and whatnot, it's just like it's going to go away from this old media. And we're not going to get the proper questions that we want asked. And well, every, everything yeah. becomes everything becomes controlling the narrative now. That's what it is. Yeah. If it's the yeah. players controlling it or teams controlling it, and, and that gets I mean, I know Kev uses this term in the past. Um, you 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 call it fanboy journalism, and in a lot of ways, that's what creates that, or that's what stems from that, because they know that there are people out there who will who will write that stuff and eat that stuff up and use it yeah and it's not real it's not real reporting and so when someone then does try to ask maybe a, a harder question it get you get you know they get their back up and they, yeah, they're right, not gonna get, from, yeah. you know what yeah. i'm saying and, and it, it's like they're th- they're more thin-skinned because of it too as far as being athletes or or whatever they yeah. just are and i just it's it's a it's a bad mix it's a bad you know combination Hey Craig, do you have that uh, tweet that I just threw there in the um, in the private? This was the example that I was talking about earlier. I actually forgot about. Um, couldn't remember the play until uh, I think EJ rem- or a Bumpy Jonas reminded me. This was the um, <laughs> AJ Brown thing. It was the play where he uh, missed. He didn't even go for a tackle on that interception. Yeah, it was the Jaguars game. Yeah, right. So, right, and people were like, "What is this guy just dogging it out there?" So we ultimately got an answer from him but it came in this format, right? Yeah. So we took the tweet and put it on a page and wrote a couple paragraphs about it. And that was how we did the story. You know, uh, I mean, it's just, sometimes it's going to be different like that. You know, sometimes it's like they've got their own social media channels. They, they can control, like you said, they can control some of it and say what they want to say. Like to me, that was a pretty reasonable explanation. Nobody got to ask him a follow-up question about it, but uh, yeah, we're all going to live. Like I said, you know, it's again, it's not the January 6th commission, right? Up here, you know, it's just right. like, a, it's a, it's a, interception and he didn't make a tackle attempt you know i think yeah, we can all move on you know i think it's fair to say we should we should have a delineation between journalism and sports journalism because sports journalism we got to remember yeah as the people who are covering these sports yeah. that the grand scheme of things this is entertainment yeah yeah it is it is that's why i make the the peter arnett reference all the time because i'm like i don't think what we do is that important like, it's not and I, I think like some people i think like the old school like baseball guys too like they romanticize like the the discipline a little bit it's like i was there at connie mack stadium when johnny Fourfingers threw that sinker you know it's like have i remember ever, the smell in the air have and, you ever you know. gone back and read some of that stuff like grant grantland rice and and the stuff that was written back in the day and yeah, just yeah, the, yeah. the 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 free-flowing prose yeah. that used to be put into the newspapers to describe baseball and yeah. you kind of understand why that kind of bred the follow-up generations of <laughs> of baseball writers so, so what's the next generation going to be six sentences and uh <laughs> we're going right to we're going right to deadline yeah no, I, it's probably what crossing broad it's what crossing broad was during the world series you know here's kate upton flipping the double birds you know? yeah <laughs> two paragraphs and ten thousand clicks you know i mean so, you saw how many people you know our, our numbers jumped through no, the roof i know, I know. That, by right? the way i don't I don't know if I said this before on this show, but the World Series was the best traffic month that we've done in the history of the website. Yeah. The history of the website, you know? So everybody who thinks that baseball is dead obviously was very wrong, you know? 
long as baseball's good, it's it's pop, it's big in this town. That's right. If it's well, bad, that's your new beat, sure. Anthony. I'm pulling you off the flyers. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, it's, it's, that's it's 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 actually it's rewarding, right? That's like it's like being in purgatory and finally getting to heaven. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. You put enough time and your, effort. Your grains of sand, every, yeah. one grain of sand after another, until you finally let's, get yeah. to heaven. Let's see if we can wrap this up before this loogie finally makes it out of here. Or should <laughs> yeah. I just should I just leave the show? Yeah. Or you should are you you could just you know snort it right out for everybody. Yeah, dude, get the people what they want. Right on the, yeah, right on the camera. Camera. Let's see your aim. <laughs> Don't, hang on. I'm gonna, if I laugh any harder, I'm oh, gonna ew, ew, that almost came up. That almost came up. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. That's the show today. Thank you to Kevin and his loogies. Thank you to Craig behind the scenes, and thank you so much for coming on. What the hell is going on over there? I'm Kyle Pagan. This is Crossing Broadcast. We will talk to you on Thursday if Kev still has an esophagus. Talk to you. Then.